Hey, it's Bills by the Numbers, brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Coming up, what penalties were the biggest problems for the Bills in 2021? We take a look. Will the points of emphasis for officials this year be a benefit or a problem for the way the Bills play on offense and defense? We discuss. Plus, former head of NFL officiating Dean Blandino joins us to tell us where we can expect to see penalties go up or go down. Steve, there's a flag on the play. So happy to have you here with us on Bills by the Numbers. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker, Bills Insider Chris Brown with you as usual. And it's a yellow flag edition of Bills by the Numbers. We begin with the following facts. The Bills had the sixth most penalties against in the league last year, with 113 called against, seventh most in net penalty yards, and second in the league in automatic first downs awarded to the opponent via penalty. They did get better from the first half to the second half of the season in 2021, reduced their penalty count slightly, and they were at their best, Steve, in their two playoff games, with just three penalties assessed in the wild card round and three in the divisional playoff. But Coach McDermott always wants better, as we know. As much as a coach emphasizes it, how realistic is it, Steve, to get your roster to be more disciplined in the area of penalties? Yeah, it, it can happen. I'm. Uh, you always overemphasize it because it always makes it seem like you're going to play soft and play scared if you're trying not to get penalties. And the, the truth, that's not really the truth. The truth is you have to make an effort Particularly, most of these you think about in the secondary and up in the offensive line and in the defensive line where you get a lot of defensive holdings, that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, also, you get guys uh, – a little of it can be attributed to coaching because if you get your team into a matchup that they can't win, an individual matchup, that guy's going to get desperate. He's not going to want to get beaten. He's going to latch on and get kind of holding penalties out of desperation because he can't win that matchup. Right. Same thing, and it's the same kind of – it's not just in pass coverage with a linebacker or running back or what have you. It's also an offensive lineman getting matched up with a, an elite pass rusher that they know they got need help on and don't get any. So a little bit of that is coaching and matchups and getting your guys in a position where they can win. But there's no question – Players can be disciplined and think about that stuff. A, a player gets fewer penalties when he's really confident and really prepared, and that does fall on coaching. Right, and I think Coach McDermott would be in the same boat as most coaches, as we've heard over the years. The effort penalties you can stomach to a certain degree. It's the pre-snap unforced error penalties sure. that drive coaches up a wall, and there was some of that, although the Bills were not ranked highly in the area of pre-snap penalties last year. They had a fair amount. I think they were somewhere in the lower third of the league, though, in number of pre-snap penalties called against. Dallas was the worst team in the league in penalties by far, and it wasn't even close. Um, We can get into that a little bit later. On the good side, as I said, ninth fewest pre-snap penalties. The most popular penalties called against the Bills, and I imagine this is largely the case for the 31 other teams, offensive holding, 23 infractions, false start, 18 infractions, defensive holding, 13 penalties, defensive PI, 9, unnecessary roughness, 8, and roughing the passer, 8. We knew holding was a point of emphasis last season, so that's no surprise, Steve. Which one of these penalty categories might surprise you the most 
concerning the Bills' style of yeah. play. False starts are always a problem. You get one a game. Um, yeah, yeah, they had 18 and 17 yeah. games. That's so, not awful. And I think defensive pass interference is tough because um, I think those are the really tough ones because those are so, so um, – it's a spot foul. So if you're 35 yards down the field and you get an in, uh, pass interference, the ball is spotted right at that spot. So it's a 35-yard completion. Those are really, really tough. And I think any team would tell you, you know, they can put up with kind of a five-yard penalty and, and, you know, the next down. Giving up a 35-yard explosive play because of an official threw a flag is a really tough one to swallow. Right. The one that surprised me was roughing the passer and the fact that there were only eight. Right. If you go back and think, 2021 to me, if you asked me what stood out most about officiating, it was how quick the flag came out for roughing the passer. You barely breathe on a quarterback, and the flag was coming out mm-hmm. last year. And that, from what we understand, is going to be relaxed this year. Glancing blows, inadvertent contact to the head or neck area or below the knee are not going to be called this year. So we shouldn't see as many. But seeing, seeing eight for roughing the passer, if you asked me, I would have guessed twice that flag yeah. would have been flagged against the Bills and most teams for that matter. One of the instances, too, is the Bills you know, didn't have a dominant pass rush. So, right. And also with the, with the current you know, atmosphere in the league, you get roughing the passer calls. The Bills do a lot because their secondary is really good, and the quarterback of the other team is extending the play, yeah. and you're chasing, 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 chasing. And then you reach into that gray area of what was it an extra step? Did he, you give that quarterback Did he declare himself push? as a runner? You feel like as a defensive lineman, you've got to force that guy to throw the football. So you're pushing it to the very end. He throws it. You, you double hand shove him out of bounds. It's a penalty. Yeah. That's pretty frustrating for a defense, particularly when you chase the guy all over the yard. Yeah. And that's probably why unnecessary roughness was up there, too, because once that quarterback's out of the pocket, He's not necessarily a quarterback if he declares himself as a runner. And if he gets out of bounds just as you get there and you knock him after he's taken a step out of bounds, you're getting hit for unnecessary well, roughness. And I would, if you asked me to guess, I would say four of those eight unnecessary roughness calls against the Bills last year were probably hits like that. Guy right. out of bounds already. And it's pretty frustrating, too, because what happens if the quarterback pump fakes and you, you don't double-chuck him, he's still got the ball, and you didn't get him on the ground. Right. So you never – that's how fine the line is, how fast it happens. And, you know, it's, it's a lot to ask of a defender. But all of us would agree when push comes to shove, you need to protect the guys throwing the football, I think. Yeah. Nobody wants to go see Joey Kobe ba- Brissett. Yeah, jo- yeah Joey Bagadonuts. <laughs> Cleveland for 11 Yeah, games. we don't want to go see Joey Bagadonuts play quarterback, even for the other team. Yeah. So – uh, it's a star-driven league, and, and they protect those guys, and with good reason. The, the entire franchise rests on their ability to line up every week. Okay, you mentioned the Bills' defense. So knowing the points of emphasis this season, which include tighter calling of illegal contact, looser calling of pass, defensive pass interference, and, and more leniency with respect to roughing the passer, as we mentioned, what do you foresee for Buffalo's defense in 2022, knowing we expect the pass rush to be significantly better this year? There are going to be some times where it's going to be frustrating because they're going to get home and they're going to get called for a penalty. Um, they still will call hits to the head on the quarterback yes. if it's forcible. They still will call low shots on the quarterback's legs. Uh, they still will call the extra step and a defender puts the guy on the ground. 
and I think you're going to see have more instances to have judgment calls against the Bills because their pass rush is going to be closer to the quarterback by and large. So, yeah, yeah I, I think it's going to be a frustrating year at times for Bills fans watching their team play so well up front and then, you know, having them force an incompletion on third down and get a, have to give them a first down because of a penalty in the, in the pocket. Yeah, my fear is or out of the, the pass rush will be better, so that means they're going to be around the quarterback more, and even though roughing the passer might be called less and there might be more leniency in that area, I think with the frequency with which this defense is expected to be around the quarterback, I think the number is going to be about the same in terms of the roughing the passer calls that we've right. seen in the past. And, yes, you're right. That is going to be supremely frustrating for Bills fans watching it either in the stadium or at home on their televisions. Flip that around now, Steve, and do you believe Buffalo's offense could be even more difficult to stop in light of some of these changes? More illegal contact calls, and we know the separation that the Bills receiving core can get with alarming regularity at times. Lighter, though, on roughing the passer. Yeah, I. that's where my, you know, as a former guy who practiced being a wide receiver and then covered kicks on Sunday. I, I felt like that was a – all the rules have always been tilted towards the offense, particularly in the secondary. And I always thought right when you see this, it's going to be like, well, there are going to be some players who have much better seasons statistically than they otherwise would have with these penalties the way they're called. Because some players are just in that – are in that level of being able to – just get enough separation, and this will give them more separation. It'll help yeah. them be a better receiver. They're going to have some—I don't want to say mediocre, but by NFL standards, you're going to have some guys that are more effective than they otherwise would have been because of these rules. And I think particularly smaller guys who are less physical, who can't get jostled around at the top of their route, are going to be—you're going to see them standing by themselves in a field, like because, Isaiah McKenzie, like Isaiah McKenzie, Cole Beasley, uh, Shakir. All of those guys out Jameson of the slot, Jameson Crowder. And, of course, Diggs as well because he, you know, the, he's a same kind of guy. He's a route runner. Precision route those runner. Those guys yeah. are going to have more separation. Or uh, draw more flags. Or draw more flags. No question about it. Yeah. I, I foresee a lot of three, five yards and <laughs> yeah, and a fresh set of downs. Yeah. Um, that, and that's the point of it. That's basically one of the caveats to this they want they want to see more more points more yards well yeah and the reason i foresee that is because this receiving core is based on or is largely made up of receivers who get early separation in the down and if you want to prevent that and you grab a little bit or you know pass five yards <laughs> you're gonna get a lot of flags against this bill yeah, and offense. even trying to and even grabbing the jersey to stay with the guy so he yeah. doesn't get separation that falls under the falls guise under of illegal contact. holding, and you know, you're, it's the same. It's the same penalty. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be a problem for defenses. They're going to have to really struggle with it and and try and keep up. It's it's stacked against them, no question about it. Yeah, and that's why I think in this day and age, the Bills are have been served so well by the quality of guys they have in their secondary that they've got top notch guys at every spot, and that that means something. It really does. The league may argue, hey, we're throwing the defensive bone. We're going to lighten up on the defensive pass interference, allow more hand battles. And I was like, I'll believe that when I see it. Because um, right. well, th things always seem air, to. If the ball's in the air, yeah. it's a penalty. Right. 
We'll see how they call it. It will be interesting, to say the least. We move ahead now to the numbers game, where Steve is going to guess and see if he can nail down the players who drew the most penalty flags for the Bills last season. So, Steve, we need five of the top ten players for penalty flags for the Bills in 2021. What do you say? All right. Who got the most penalty? I'll say Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver is right at the bottom of the top ten with five penalties. This could be offense or defense. Offense or defense. Top five flag drawers for the Bills last season. Daryl Williams. Number six. Six penalties assessed against him. Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown is number three with seven. Butker. Nope, not on the list. Dawkins. Deion Dawkins tied with Spencer Brown for seven penalties. You need one more to satisfy my quota of five. You are four for four, I think, right? No, you I missed, uh, oh, you missed, missed one. Butker. Butker, you got. So you're um, four for five on your guesses. I'll say. We'll see. I'll say. Uh, Levi Wallace. You got the guy in the top spot. Eight penalties assessed. That's a guy that you met, like we were talking about. It's a tough spot. He's not elite athleticism, and so if he's playing a fast guy and he feels he's got to grab, he's got to grab, and he got so how many did I get him? That was it. Five out of ten. Yeah. Uh, eight penalties assessed against Levi Wallace. That was the most on the team last year. Obviously in Pittsburgh now. Right. Deion Dawkins, Spencer Brown, Jordan Poyer, all with seven last year. Tied with Daryl Williams for six, Saran Neal, mm. who got some Penalty. on special teams special last teams, year. Yeah. And then three, the last four players tied with five, along with Ed Oliver, Tredavious White with five, Emmanuel Sanders with five, and Dawson Knox with five. So Emmanuel offensive P.I., Dawson Knox also got a couple holding calls, I believe. Um, and a false start. Yeah. I think Emmanuel Sanders had a couple of false starts last year, if memory serves. But, Steve, you just whipped through that thing like a hot knife through I, butter. I do know this team. I don't know anybody else, but I know this team. So <laughs> <laughs> Good effort there. New customers can get their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Sign up today by going to sportsbook.fanduel.com or by downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the Buffalo Bills. Here now to help us with the points of emphasis for officials this season is the former head of NFL officiating and the current Fox Sports NFL rules analyst. It's Dean Blandino who recently put together a write-up on the 33rd team where he shares which penalties are likely to go up or down in 2022. Let's talk with Dean. All right, Dean, let's begin here. As you pointed out in your write-up and video on the 33rd team, total penalties were up from 2020 to about 14 per game in 2021. But I think that was expected, knowing there was a huge drop in holding calls back in 2020, and that's the most popular penalty called, I believe, if I have my facts right. But it was still down from the historical average of 16 to 17 a game. So with the points of emphasis this season for the officials, do you think we'll move closer to the historical average? I do. I think 2020 was somewhat of an, an anomaly. The, the holding calls were historically low 
And uh, and the competition committee recognized that. And and look, you, officials aren't going to call every hold that occurs, uh, but they do a really good job. And 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 for the most part, in you know the last 25, 30 years, you, you see about three holds per game. It was down to two in twenty twenty. I think the, the officiating department, in conjunction with the competition committee, did a good job in twenty twenty one of just getting, you know, getting the fouls you needed to get to, focusing on the point of attack. And uh, but I think with some of the other points of emphasis, illegal contact, things like that, um, I think we will see the number rise. I don't know if we'll get to to 16, 16 and a half where we've been, but but I think you, you'll probably see closer to fifteen thousand. What drives the movement on points of emphasis? Yeah, so that comes from typically can come from a lot of different sources. It can come from. Um, the players, the competition committee meets with with members of the NFLPA, current and former players, um, to address their concerns. That happens at the Combine in, in Indianapolis. Um, the coaches, there's a coaches subcommittee. Um, Andy Reid is, 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 and John Harbaugh are on that. Other coaches, um, and, you know, Ron Rivera, some other from the competition committee, they work together. They look at different trends. And that's where that taunting emphasis came from last year. Really, the coaches, they felt that the sportsmanship, um, some of the in-your-face stuff, stuff, stuff directed at your opponent was starting to rise, and they felt that they wanted to curb that. So that's where those points of emphasis come from. Typically, it's sportsmanship or player safety, um, and and where you see things like downfield, you know, the contact, if you want to help, you know, the passing game, keep that in a good place. That's kind of where that comes from. You mentioned illegal contact already, Dean, and we know that's going to be a point of emphasis this year. Only 36 such penalties called last season, illegal contact, which is probably why it's a point of emphasis this year. But what kind of spike does history tell you we should expect for one like illegal contact that's a point of emphasis this year? Yeah, I think the last time we emphasized it was 2014, and the fouls tripled from the previous Woo! year. Same thing back in, yeah, 2004, same thing. But when you you have to look at it in in put it in context, when you say the fouls tripled, okay, if we had 36 last year, we triple that, right? We end up at, let's say, 100, a little over 100. You know, uh, out of 272 games, it's not like you're going to see one game, right? So, so it's it. You'll see more of it. It's it's a point of emphasis. I think there was too much happening downfield with the contact where the defenders were disrupting routes uh, beyond five, and uh, and so and the passing game did suffer. You know, passing yards per game dropped. It was the second lowest since 2010, and I think that was probably the the biggest driver in the committee saying. Okay, we've got to we've got to make sure that we're we're enforcing this rule correctly. It's not like we're going to go out and say, "Hey, we've just got to throw the flag just to throw the flag." You got to enforce it correctly. So they felt that the officials weren't calling fouls last year that were, and and they they want to they want to kind of you know put that put an end to that and make sure that that they're calling the fouls that are there. What do you see um, as the season rolls on? how big a lead time is there before the players get used to the new standard of normal in the secondary as guys are running around? Do you see a spike like in the first month of the season then then it tapers off kind of thing where the players get used to the new norm? Yeah, that's typically what happens. And we've even seen it in the preseason. I think preseason week one, there were 15 
you know, almost won a game, which which would be, you know, significantly higher than where we have been. And then and then week two, it started to drop. And I think you see that anytime you emphasize something, it's it's they're high early and then the players start to adjust. The coaches understand where the line is and it starts to kind of regulate itself. So I would I would expect a, a spike early. Uh, and then as the season, as you move into probably the, the second quarter of the season, it'll start to it'll start to come down and, and you'll get to, uh, you know, we'll have a higher number, no question. But I don't think we're going to see 15, 16 per week. That, that's and, not going to happen. And you you work with the officials directly. What what kind of feedback and uh, I guess feedback on consistency and calling it the same in one game one week and the same in the next game the next week, that kind of thing. What kind of feedback do you get from the officials about what they see and how difficult it is to administer consistently across, you know, 200 and some odd games. Yeah, that's the biggest challenge. You have, you have the 272 games. You've got, you've got 17 different crews. You've got, for the most part, five officials on every crew can call illegal contact, the two line of scrimmage officials and the three downfield officials. So you've got over 100 officials that you're trying to get on the same page and that foul, that's that's a difficult foul because it's a two-step foul. You right. have to the official has to see the contact beyond five and then find the ball. Now, because the quarterback has to have the ball in the pocket for that foul to apply. So it's not just seeing it like holding and calling it. You've got to find the football. Is it gone? Is it gone somewhere else? Is it thrown to that receiver? Now I have to process, okay, is it illegal contact or is it defensive pass interference? So it's a difficult foul to call to begin with. And then to get over 100 uh, officials on the same page, that's the biggest challenge. And all they want is clear direction. You tell us what you want. Show us examples of what is a foul and what isn't a foul. And then we'll go out and do it. And if they get that, they can do a good job. If they're getting mixed messages, if they're not getting that clear direction, that's when it leads to inconsistencies. And that. That's a perfect segue to my next next question, Dean, because I was curious, knowing that illegal contact is a point of emphasis, and yet at the same time, defensive pass interference is, from what I understand, going to allow for a little more hand-checking and contact. Where is the line—I mean, look, I've said it before. I'd never want to be an NFL official. Where is the line—because it's a hard job. Where is the line of demarcation for the officials, if you know, between— the illegal contact emphasis and defensive pass interference. Cause you just referenced it. There's a very fine line where one ends and the other begins where you're looking at the quarterback and where the ball is. So how, what have they been schooled on to establish a line of demarcation for them so they can accurately emphasize one and maybe de-emphasize the other at the same time. It's not a problem I want to have. Yeah, it's a good question, and it is a challenge. I think the biggest thing that that they have to understand, and just by rule, illegal contact is a is a foul that occurs before the pass, right? So, so the quarterback has to have the ball in the pocket. So you can't have illegal contact if the ball's in the air. So that's the line of demarcation. And pass interference, defensive pass interference, starts with the ball in the air, right? Okay. Not not prior to that. So that's that line, and that's where they see the contact. Then they have to know, okay, where is the ball? Is it is it has it been released? Is it in the air? Is it in the air somewhere else? So it is a challenge. But the point of demarcation is is the pass. You know, does the quarterback still have the ball, or is the ball gone? And then it transitions once the yeah. pass is released. It transitions from illegal contact rules 
to defensive pass interference rules. And one of the difficult parts about being an NFL official is that the game does evolve constantly. There are points of emphasis, different rule changes every year. What is the most difficult thing that officials are telling you now about their job? You know, honestly, I think the one call that they've struggled with and 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 not on, you know, not surprisingly is is the use of helmet foul. This was implemented a couple of years ago and this was players um, lowering their heads and initiating contact with their helmet. It happens so frequently during the game. There, 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 there is helmet to helmet contact. There's contact with the helmets. It's just natural when you have when you have you know players that are moving at high speeds. You, you talk about leverage and trying to get low. You know when you're making a tackle as a, as a ball carrier, I'm trying to get low, protect the football, protect myself, and and gain additional yardage. And there's collisions. And the officials in real time, like we get the benefit of slow motion replay. And sometimes it's pretty clear on slow motion replay what happened, but they don't get that benefit. They got to see it in real time from their perspective once and they got to make a call. And when you have these types of high speed collisions, it's tough to say, okay, who initiated the contact? Was it the the defender? Was it the ball carrier? Was the defender trying to um, protect themselves, absorb or brace for contact, just trying to bring the, the shoulder and trying to make a tackle and the head came with it? So I think that's one of the more difficult calls. It's obviously important because it's player safety, but I think the league recognizes that. And I think they, uh, you know, at least in my opinion, need to continue to look at, um, you know, film review during the week and, and finding players um, when they do see it because it's very tough call for the officials to make in real time and be consistent. Last one for me, Dean. We've we've heard through the grapevine there's going to be a hefty fine for coaches or players who curse out officials during games, along with a 15-yard penalty. I, I don't know if I'm – I had just been living under a rock and not heard of this. Is this new or has this already been in place for a few years? No, I mean, this has always been the case, and I don't want to bring up a sore subject, but, but <laughs> Steve was, was a part of <laughs> – was a part of one that I remember that that I'm going to come out and just say he shouldn't have been thrown out of the game. But anyway, you have um, to say that you're an it, honored guest. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's not a, that's not new in and, and sportsmanship, and certainly the interaction between players and officials. It's a, it's an interesting dynamic because um, we want that communication. I know when I was at the NFL, you you don't want to not answer a question or communicate with the players, um, and there's certainly emotion involved. Um, but there's a line, and there's a line from player to player. There's a line from from uh, you know player to official and coach to official, and for officials to conduct themselves in a professional manner in how they deal with coaches and players, and and so that's not new. Um, there, you know, it's emo- officials understand the game is emotional. Coaches and players are going to get emotional, and uh, we want them to use common sense. Uh, because, you know, just getting fired up or using a, you know, a, a colorful language is not enough to, to flag. But there's right. there's a line uh, of respect that you have to stay, you know, you, st- you have to stay behind that line. And I think the officials do a good job, but that's not new. Yeah. OK. Fair enough, Appreciate Dean. It. Dean, thanks, man. It's great seeing you. Have a great season. You too, guys. Thanks for having me. We dive now into these three things. First thing, offensive linemen are called for more penalties than any other position group, Steve. Will the emphasis on illegal contact this year, you think, move defensive backs into the top spot for penalties, knowing defensive pass interference at the same time is also going to be relaxed? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I think, think about it. 
offensive linemen are in the midst of the point of attack every play, run or pass. And defensive backs are limited to only the throwing downs where they're kind of on the on the spot there. Certainly they could be called for, you know, offsides, encroachment, all of that. But I would say no. I think the offensive line is still going to be the number one scrutiny. they got two officials that are standing there looking at those five guys in a small area. They don't miss much. Mm-hmm. And when it means something, and you're you're also gonna, you know, yeah, you're gonna get you get guys off the edge in the pass rush. So I don't think so. I think that gap is probably too far for to be spanned by this I, one rule. I change. thought this was an interesting question to ask because more often than not, you got five linemen on the field every play, but you also nowadays have five DBs on the field. So you get the same number oh, sure. of people out there. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but I tend to agree with you because I think it's easier to call the stuff that happens in a confined area like the tackle box that move, you could argue, too, that the stuff that happens at the line is the slowest moving stuff in a football game. You get those skilled guys right. outside and, and in space. Stuff happens fast, yeah. and you've got to shift your field division, as we spoke with Dean about. You know, those poor officials have to look at, okay, I got a legal contact. Does quarterback still have the ball? I mean, you got to whip your head around your, you know, your head's on a swivel. It's like you're watching a ping pong yeah, match there's a lot in to that. make a call on that. Yeah, there's a lot in this question if you start thinking about it because certainly they've got two officials standing behind the quarterback looking at different angles. One's looking at the left side. The other guy's looking at the right side as they're coming towards him. Um, it does happen right in front of them. And it's also run or pass that the the offensive line will fire out and do that. And it and you know, the old saying goes, you could call holding on every play if you wanted to, and justify it down inside. But I think also in the in the secondary, I mean, you've got it's you're, you're exposed, you're by yourself, and you know you you get that desperate feeling that you got to win this rep or you're going to lose yeah. the game. So there is a higher level of desperation out in the secondary because the big play is always on the line with with wide receivers. So you've got that level of anxiety for the DBs that overrides their discipline sometimes. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot in that question, and it's a, it's a really good way to look at it because you're right, there is the same number of guys on the field, uh, five DBs uh, and five offensive linemen Most on the other the side. Most of the time, yeah. Most of the time, so... Uh, but I still think the offensive line is scrutinized. Um, I think it starts there. You know, the thing works. And when you're watching film or anything else, you start from the center of the, forma- the formation and go out from there when you kind of study it. So yeah. those guys are always going to be under a microscope. Yeah. Second thing, if you had to guess, where would you say the delay of game penalty ranked in total number of penalties called last year? On the popularity scale for penalties, where did delay of game rank, do you think? You already know between, offensive holding is number say one. Probably, I'd say probably between, I don't know how many penalties they've got. Different oh, kinds. man, you got. I'm going to say between f- the ranked top ten, but lower, like five through ten, somewhere in there. Actually ranked fourth last year. Oh, okay. Fourth in the league, behind only offensive holding, false starts, DPI. Here's the it thing. was tied with unnecessary roughness. Isn't that fascinating? Fourth bit. most popular call is delay a game. That's just like, hey, man, get your crap in order. What are you right. doing? Right. It's that's, an unforced error, really. That's quarter, yeah, it is. And that's the quarterback because they use the entire play clock, and that's part of it. But it's a lack of efficiency, as I see it. Yeah, it's, it's just being lazy and not getting it off. 
I mean, and um, think about this too, because think about all the ones that didn't get called because somebody decided I'm going to burn a timeout instead of taking a delay a game. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's such an avoidable right. penalty that in a is, multitude of ways. It's amazing. It ranked fourth. And plus two delay of game. You, it's hard to blame it on anybody. It's like systemic. You didn't get the <laughs> you didn't get the play in fast enough. You didn't call it fast enough. You, you didn't, didn't break, break the, the huddle, huddle fast enough. enough. You got li- somebody made a mental mistake, got lined up wrong, got to wait for him to go over. Then you got the quarterback trying to maximize, get a look at the defense as late in the play clock as you can, and he doesn't have time to do that. But he still has to get through, and he has to. Then you have to check the play, check out of the play because of what he does see. So it's there's a lot in. Yeah. A delay, a game penalty, nice. Not unless it's just you know. I was surprised to see it ranked fourth. I like. I guess I don't mentally think of it being called well, all that see, often. You always see quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers sitting there. It's zero, and he, then they snap it. Yeah. He's like, "Why didn't you call it?" And they they don't. They give him that half they a give beat, it right? To him. Yeah. They give uh, him a half yeah. So a that's beat. pretty. That is amazing. To I me. was surprised it was ranked fourth. That me seemed, too. It was higher than I thought it me would be. Too. Third thing: Josh Allen was flagged for two penalties last year. It was for the same thing. Do you know what it was for? What would you think it would be? And it's not delay of game. It is not delay of game. Yeah, I'll give that one to you. Um, intentional grounding. Good call. Intentional grounding it was. Good job, Steve. Once against Kansas I can't City. Even think of it. Once it against Kansas City in the regular season and once against Miami. Intentional grounding he got called for. Okay. Our closing figures deal with penalties as well. In 2021, there were just four teams in the league that had more penalties on defense than offense. The Bucks, the Chargers, the Jets, and the Seahawks. And while the Jets, Seahawks, and Chargers had only just a handful more penalties on defense than offense, the Bucks had an eye-popping 21 more penalties on defense than offense. And to think... That's not even counting the defensive holding and defensive <laughs> pass interference that Carlton Davis didn't get for mugging Stephon Diggs in week 14. They stabbed us in the back. Dare to dream. That'll do it for this episode. <laughs> Subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use or watch us on the Bills YouTube channel. And always remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. Thanks for checking in. We'll see you next week, everybody.